The Pickleball Show is brought to you by PBX Club. PBX stands for Pickleball Excellence. Join today and get the latest pickleball tips and strategies, news, and opinion. Save money on paddles and other equipment with coupon codes to online pickleball retailers. Get travel discounts to tournaments and a whole lot more. How much does it cost to become a PBX Club member? Well, it's free. Just go to freepbxclub.com. That's freepbxclub.com. There's even a link in the show notes for this episode. FreePBXClub.com. PBX Pickleball Excellence. Join the club. It's free. Hello, my name's Wayne Mugley, pickleball lover. And here's the host of the Pickleball Show, Chris Allen. Thank you, Wayne, and welcome to the show dedicated to helping you play better pickleball while having even more fun and meeting new friends who share your passion for this great sport. My name is Chris Allen. I'm coming to you today from Asheville, North Carolina, and we have new friends joining us today from all over the country. This is our new webinar format where we have a live audience to get invited to be part of the live taping, which we would love to have you on. You can just become a member of of PBX Club. It's totally free to do so, and uh, you'll get that invitation. Normally, we're going to shoot for the second Sunday of each month from noon to three o'clock Eastern time when we record these. So if you can make it and join us on the second Sunday of each month, we would love to have you. Just sign up at freepbxclub.com and you'll be on the guest list. That's free pbxclub.com. And uh, let's go, let me go ahead and introduce our guest today. We've got from Third Shot Sports in Collingwood, Ontario, Canada, Mr. Mark Rennison. Mark, how are you today? Great, Chris. Thanks. Hi, everyone. From Charlottesville, Virginia, the USAPA ambassador there, it's Margie Davenport. Hi, Margie. Hi there, Chris. Good to be on. Well, thank you for making time for us. Also, Dr. Alan Rosenthal, podiatrist up in Connecticut. Doctor, thank you for joining us again here on the Pickleball Show. Thanks a lot, Chris, for having me on again. And what about Linda Einsiedler? Is she around? Chris, can you hear me? Hey, Linda, I can certainly hear you. How are you today? Great. Happy New Year to all of you. Linda is the district ambassador uh, for the USAPA up in, along the East Coast. Hey, we want to open it up to questions today. If you've got questions for any of our guests, we'd love to hear from you. And to do that, you just press your little hand. Just press that and I'll be able to uh, unmute your microphone and you'll be talking with our panelists live. Now, Margie, this is your first time on the Pickleball Show here. What's the pickleball scene like in the Charlottesville, Albemarle area? I have to say, I'm very excited about it because I think we're flourishing here. And uh, we have play just about every day of the week somewhere. And we're expecting to get some dedicated courts in the spring, which is very exciting. Hey, Margie, are you playing in the Virginia tournament on February 12th? We're, I'm coming down for that, hoping to see you. Oh, Mike Roberts in Richmond. He does a wonderful job as ambassador there. And I'm coming off a knee surgery and just getting back into play. So that's a little bit too soon, I think. Yes, take it easy. Speaking of knees, I'm going to launch a poll real quick. And the poll question is, what body part hurts the most after playing? <laughs> and this is kind of for you, Dr. <laughs> Rosenthal. Uh, let's see. the. Uh, we've, it's multiple choice here. Well, you've got your arm, your knee, your hand or your wrist, hand slash wrist, uh, your foot slash heel. And the final body part that may hurt most after playing is your <laughs> your ego. 
<laughs> so everybody on, can vote on the uh, on the poll right now, and we'll see uh, from all the people that have attended the webinar today. We're going to see what body part hurts the most after playing. And uh, Mark, if you were voting in this poll, uh, well, you're you're only in your 30s, so you're probably none of those are good for you, right? I, I gotta say, you know, it depends on who I'm playing and how long I've been playing for. But I have definitely had all those things hurt at one point or another. I've got to say though, in pickleball, when you have pain. That's usually your body's way of telling you you're doing something wrong. I'm not talking about if you fall on the ground and you bang your knee, that's one thing, but... Like a repetitive motion injury, there's something wrong with your swing if you're constantly getting tennis elbow. Exactly. Like if your arm is hurting or if your hand or wrist are hurting from playing pickleball, that's usually a sign that there's like there's something going on technically. We're actually seeing more and more people who are having sore elbows, uh, tennis elbow, and very often it's because of, of poor technique, right? They end up using their hand and their wrist to hit the ball more rather than using bigger stronger parts like using their hips and their shoulders like you said your body's way of trying to tell you something all right i'm going to go ahead and close out the poll here if you haven't voted your last chance in three two one and let's close it out and see the results the question is what body part hurts the most after playing we've got uh, knee is number one at 39 percent followed by arm at 28 percent uh, foot and heel is at 17%, and then ego is a tie with foot uh, for 17%. <laughs> so, Dr. Rosenthal, you're the foot podiatrist. Foot and ego go together. <laughs> you know, those knee problems are all caused by foot problems. So. Yeah, because I heard, I heard somewhere that the foot bone is connected to the knee bone or something like that. Is that the way the song goes? It's a hokey-pokey problem, I think. I think the... the I think that's the other theory, right? <laughs> the hokey-pokey theory. A lot of knee problems are caused by foot problems because of the biomechanics of the way the foot hits the ground and not wearing proper shoe. If you need an orthotic, not wearing an orthotic may cause some knee problems. Most of the time, it can be what they call runner's knee. Mm -hmm. Chris, I'd like to weigh in about this injury situation because I visited the uh, sports medicine at the University of Virginia. Mm -hmm. And... When I was there, the fellow said, oh, we're seeing a lot of pickleball players. And I said, what? And after I heard that, I don't want pickleball to get a reputation like that. I came back and stressed with my group that we do warm-ups, we do stretches, we do warm-downs. And I think that is so important with that injury situation. And quite often we forget. So love to emphasize that. Yeah, that's good advice, definitely. If somebody is playing outdoors a lot, maybe wear a warm-up suit to get those legs and uh, knees, you know, a little perspiration before they start even stretching. It's always important to warm up beforehand, especially if you play early in the morning. You don't want to come right out in cold weather and then go play without warming up a little bit. Well, I was wondering that too, if you saw more injuries from people that play in the morning as opposed to people that play in the evening. No, I think it's more from someone who's not maybe athletic all their life and hasn't been doing the proper routines that they just need some common sense advice like uh, I just explained. We've talked about sort of the proper warm-up. I think some people are still a little bit confused about what that means. And Dr. Rosenthal referred to it uh, about you should be sweating. So it's pretty clear out there that static stretching, right? Holding, you know, your arm across your chest or your arm behind your back or those calf, push, like you're pushing against the wall. That kind of stretching full push up. Uh, that kind of stretching is pretty well understood to not actually be very effective at preparing yourself to play. If you think about when you're playing pickleball, whether it's hitting balls up above your head like an overhead or the rotation you have to do with your body, it's important that our warm-up simulates what you're going to do in a game. So we call it dynamic stretching, where you're actually moving your body through the stretch rather than just holding a body part for 10 seconds or whatever. 
many people try and stretch right away and they can end up tearing the muscle or tendon. So again, warming up. That's why try and wear warm-ups, sweatsuit or something uh, for a few minutes at least to get that blood pumping and, and a little perspiration going. Good advice, definitely. Let's go to the audience now and I'm going to unmute Mark's phone. Where are you calling from today? Chris, I'm calling from Park City, Utah. How are things out in Utah? Oh, wonderful. We got some skiing in this morning and we're playing some pickleball this afternoon. I want to give a shout out to my friend, Paddlehand Paul Hargrove and Andy Hanlon, who won the silver medal in the men's 4.0 at the Tommy Wong yesterday. Congratulations, guys. And I love the show. Oh, well, I appreciate that. What's your question for our panel today? Who's it directed to? Dr. Rosenthal, I want to ask him about compression wear, compression socks or for recovery or during play. Any studies on that to help prevent injury or to recover after playing for several hours? It's funny that you should say that. I tried using it myself uh, after playing uh, pickleball on my arm. I don't see any real scientific evidence that I have seen that is positive towards it. I think it's more a um, placebo type effect. If it works, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. Any other questions, Mark? Yes, uh, this one is uh, for Mark. And it's about communication on the court. My, you know, when my wife Dana and I are playing. We have a we have a system where I call out yours, mine, and she's been working on that with her women's partner. And I'm just not sure is it should one person be making the calls or can both people be making the calls? What seems to work? Uh, that's a good question, Mark. I think that each team is unique, and it sounds like like you and your wife have a system that works that works well for you. Uh, this is the nice thing about playing with a regular partner is that you can figure out a system and then just stick with it. I find that it's dangerous sometimes to call out yours. It works to call out mine or got it or yes, but if the person's not really expecting to play the ball themselves and all of a sudden their partner says yours at the last <laughs> second, um, that can sometimes have a negative effect, right, unless you do it early enough. It's smart in advance to make a plan, right? If balls come down the middle, then... I'll take those. Or if balls come down the middle, you'll take those. Uh If there's an overhead that either of us could hit, you take it because you've got a better smash. But for the most part, I think it's better to use the the rule that I will call balls that I can get. And if I'm not going to say anything, then it's sort of up for grabs. I usually call out yours a lot because I'm left-handed. And a lot of times people aren't used to playing with a left-handed person. But uh, maybe I ought to rethink that. Being left-handed or right-handed doesn't necessarily dictate which balls you're going to play, right? If you and I are playing and your backhand happens to be really good, well, then maybe you should play that ball even though it's to my forehand. Mm-hmm. So I think it's less important the, the lefty-righty question versus who has a better play on this particular ball. The, the part about the backhand being really good, that's purely hypothetical for me, by the way. <laughs> I, I think you're not alone in that. <laughs> okay. We're talking with a, uh, a star-studded panel today. We've got Mark Rennison from Third Shot Sports up in Collingwood, Ontario, Canada. We're also talking with Dr. Alan Rosenthal, podiatrist in Connecticut. Linda Einsiedler, USAPA District Ambassador up in Maine. And Margie Davenport, Ambassador in uh, Charlottesville, Albemarle, Virginia. Margie, did you have a question? Or Linda, did you have a question for Mark? I seem to remember that one of you did. Mark, what are three most important safety tips you would like every pickleball instructor to communicate to their players? Ah, okay. Um, I think one of the things that pickleball is dealing with now is the idea of pickleball instruction itself. Yeah, I know. I think 
And I think as time is going on, we're starting to see a, a pretty wide gap between um, different levels of instructors. It's really important for instructors that they are able to what we call scan. They're able to look at their whole group kind of at once in order to identify potentially dangerous situations. And whether that's having people that are too close together, whether that's having a ball that's rolling across a court, whether it's you know someone just walking across a court who shouldn't be, this ability to scan and you know watch a group of five or ten or fifteen people at once becomes really important. So instructors need to learn how to how to take that macro view and be able to see the whole group at once. It also becomes really important that they're able to space out their students well. There have to be clearly defined zones so people know, the students know, okay, I'm allowed to move within this space, but I'm not allowed to move within that space. Uh, very often, you know, you might have more than four people per court. We often run clinics that have six people per court and we have a rotation system. It needs to be made explicit where you're supposed to be, whether you're playing, whether you're off, whether you're waiting to rotate in. That means using um, using markers or using pylons or using dots or using some sort of tool to identify where people are supposed to be. And the final tip I would say that instructors need to, to be aware of is they need to make sure that, that they not only explain the drill that's supposed to happen, but they actually need to demonstrate how it's supposed to happen. Because people very often, if you tell people, 10 people, okay, here's what we're going to do, very often those people will have really different understandings. So it's important that not only you explain the drill, but you also demonstrate the drill, demonstrate the rotation, and that way, if everyone's on the same page, you've got less likelihood that someone's going to get hurt. I like those tips. I also think you can extrapolate those to teaching the player to scan. So, for example, when a ball rolls, make sure they know in their peripheral vision they see a ball coming, they immediately can yell, ball, or stop, you know, stop play due to a hinder, or teach the players on the court to be aware of their court space so that one, they don't collide paddles in the middle, two, so that they can see out balls and call them for their players. So these are great skills for both the instructor and to teach to players too. Yeah, I think that's really important. We often find with, let's put it this way, the lower the level the player, the smaller their zone of awareness. And so what I mean is this, when someone's a brand new player and you know, it's not very easy for them. They are so focused on themselves and their body and trying to hit the ball that they literally yeah. don't see what's happening 10, 15, 20 feet in front of them. And yeah. the anecdote is people play a whole match before they realize that their opponent is actually left-handed. Right? <laughs> yeah. and, yeah. um, and so beginning players are so concerned with this little zone around them that they literally don't see the ball that's rolling behind their opponents on the other side. As their level of comfort improves because they're playing longer, they're more comfortable, that zone of awareness sort of extends, right? It gets yeah. longer. Maybe it gets to the net. Maybe it gets to the other side of the net. Um, another good one is, you know, once the ball has bounced twice on your side, don't hit it back because your your opponents and your partner are assuming, okay, ball bounced twice, the ball is dead. They sit yeah. watching, they turn around, and those people out there who just feel like, oh, I just want to smack it anyway, are actually putting their partner and their opponents at risk. So that's another, you know, they don't mean to hurt anyone, but um, yeah. it's really important that as soon as the play is called dead, whether the ball's called out, whether the ball bounces twice, whether there's a let on the court, you just stop playing 
and then send the ball back over. I quite often have to worry about people that when you don't have divided courts, that people will run behind somebody's court, even in the midst of play, to retrieve a ball. And that's a hard thing. You see the ball go and you want to run for it. But that's something just to continually remind your players of. That's a good point. We're going to go to Cliff here in just a second and check in with our friend uh, Cliff in, uh, oh, I can't remember where Cliff is here, but I'm sure he'll tell us first. Bristol. 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 That's right. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) First, though, I'm going to launch a quick poll. This is actually the trivia quiz portion, and let's go ahead and launch it right now. True or false, if your paddle touches the non-volley zone surface during a volley swing before or after contacting the ball, it's a fault. All right, if your paddle, just your paddle touches the non-volley zone surface during a volley swing, you're taking the ball in the air, and if it touches before or after contacting the ball, is that considered a fault? Go ahead and vote right now, either true or false. Cliff, are you there? Yes, hello. Good afternoon, everyone. i got a question directed at Linda. Linda, down here in Rhode Island, not many people really know what pickleball is, and we're trying to get organized for a tournament here, and it seems like we keep hitting roadblocks. Any advice at all, Linda? What I've done this past year is we've, we've actually tied our, a lot of our local tournaments to local charities. Charities seem to bring more support, and it seems like that will draw more of media interest. So for example, we've done we've done we do two tournaments a year towards cancer, pickle for a cure, and we got press coverage, TV coverage to come come down for that. So I would say that would be if you if you want to pursue the tournament route, that that gets non-picklers to volunteer towards the tournament. Thank you very much. That's a good, very good advice. All right. And another quick question, and then we are going to close out the poll here. Somebody has had their, oh, Mary Solomon, you've had your hand up for a while. Let me get to you. And Mary, you're on the Pickleball Show. Where are you calling from today? Um, I'm calling from Shaker Heights, Ohio. Well, glad to have you on the Pickleball Show. And who's your question for? Linda. Go right ahead. You had sent out an email about the scoring, and I'm just wondering, are we eliminating Start. You're kind of hard to pick up here. Um, is the question how you call out the score at the beginning, 002 versus 00 start? Yes. Chris just sent out an email that the rule had been updated or changed. Yeah, there's a revised rule book as of January 1st, and that there were a couple of uh, couple of revisions in there. And one of them was about um, instead of saying zero zero start, it would be zero zero two. Yeah, they were saying Correct. the yeah the Correct. proper way yeah. was to give three numbers and also not to add anything like potential match point. Don't add any flourishes to it. Just call out the three numbers and that's it. Why are we eliminating the word start and adding two? It just makes it simpler. So you're only the only two numbers you can use. For that third digit would be one or two, not start. Why not say zero, zero, two? Because that also gives you more information. That tells you that you're on your second server, and if you lose that serve, then the ball goes to the other team. So it seems to me logical to make that. It just simplifies, plus it gives more information. But I don't really know the reasoning behind that change. I do know that when we ran our ref certification course, that's how we were instructed to teach our refs and make sure everyone knows that this is the way to call the score. Because it seems like, why wouldn't you say 001? 
because you only get one server when you start, right? Oh, so you skip. I see. Okay. Uh, now I think I got it. There yeah. you go. Linda Einsiedler, Pickleball Problem Solver. Mary, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for everything that you do. I just adore your show. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. We're going to close out the poll right now. And let's go back to the poll question. The question was, if your paddle touches the non-volley zone surface during a volley swing before or after contacting the ball, it's a fault. That's the statement. And it's a true or false question. 82% said true. 18% said false it's true it's 9b it's the comment from rule 9b if your paddle touches the surface either before or after you're making contact with the ball it is considered a fault hey chris it's mark here i've got a question how would my paddle hit the ground during a swing but before contact i can tell you because oddly enough this just happened to me the day after thanksgiving i was playing a great place in leland north carolina playing with a great group of folks and i'm standing there at the non-volley zone and somebody hits a dink and i reached in to i was going to take it in the air and my paddle just just brushed the surface of the court i reached in and my paddle brushed the non-volley zone surface and i hit the ball and got the point and the gentleman that I was playing, uh, uh, one of the guys I was playing against, real nice guy, and he said it very nicely. He said, hey, just FYI, if this had been a tournament, that would have been a fault. And I never thought about that before. I always look down afterwards just to make sure that I'm not in the kitchen. I'm not doing a kitchen violation uh, just with my feet, but I never gave any thought to my paddle actually causing a violation before. So I thought that was really interesting. Almost like in volleyball, if you're trying to dig the ball up, before it hits the ground, right? And your paddle just sort of create like a little sandwich between the ground and your paddle and the ball. Learn something new every day, and I continue to learn from all of you, so thank you again for joining us today. Mark Rennison, thirdshotsports.com is where you need to go to find out more of what Mark is up to and subscribe to his newsletter. Linda Einsiedler up in Portland, Maine. Linda, always a pleasure. Thanks, Chris. And Margie Davenport in Charlottesville, Albemarle, Virginia. Margie, great to have you on the show today and look forward to talking with you again. Thanks so much. It's been fun. Dr. Alan Rosenthal. Doctor, you've given some great advice this episode and the previous episode as well, and we look forward to getting even more good advice from you in uh, future episodes of The Pickleball Show. Thanks, Chris. I'd love to do it. Really was a lot of fun today. And I'd like to thank you for joining us today as well. And a big thank you to everybody who's been sharing the link to the Pickleball Show via social media and just telling people in their local club about the show. We really, really do appreciate your support. Hey, have you gotten your copy of the top 10 tips from Pickleball's three greatest coaches? Coach Mo. Deb Harrison, Brame Carnot, all together in one quick study guide that will definitely take your game to the next level. It's totally free. You don't need a credit card. All you need is an email address. Just head over to freepbxclub.com. That's freepbxclub.com, and we'll send it right over to you. Head over to iTunes also if you get a chance. Hit that subscribe button. You'll never miss an episode. And if you feel it's appropriate, leave us a five-star review. I'm Chris Allen. This is The Pickleball Show. And until next week, keep them low.
The Pickleball Show is brought to you by PBX Club. PBX stands for Pickleball Excellence. Join today and get the latest pickleball tips and strategies, news, and opinion. Save money on paddles and other equipment with coupon codes to online pickleball retailers. Get travel discounts to tournaments and a whole lot more. How much does it cost to become a PBX Club member? Well, it's free. Just go to freepbxclub.com. That's freepbxclub.com. There's even a link in the show notes for this episode freepbxclub.com. PBX Pickleball Excellence. Join the club. It's free.